Then there's a box of Twinkies in that grocery store. Not just any box of Twinkies. The last box of Twinkies that anyone will enjoy in the whole universe. Hi there, welcome to the Three and a Half Walls podcast. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Jackson Morrill. And today we're going to be talking about the 2009 film Zombieland. Zombieland, a cult classic and I think a standout in zombie cinema. Absolutely. If anybody remembers the 2000 aughts, George W. Bush, first term Barack Obama, <laughs> Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, or whatever, they introduced the zombies. I think 2009 was Halo 3 ODST, so that was 2009. That was Modern Warfare 2. In 2003, this book just like slammed into into stores and it was called the Zombie Survival Guide. And after that, it just gradually crept in and became a part of college, high school, and just like young person culture. Everyone was just like, I think we like zombies now. And they collectively agreed. Hollywood got the memo and then proceeded to bomb fucking bard us with zombie movies what did we have leading up to this we had 28 days later and Shaun of the dead in the same month what else we had a no it was dawn of the dead and Shaun of the dead that somehow came out very close to each other dawn of the dead zack snyder's best movie and fight me and one of james gunn's better scripts fight me on that i'm not gonna fight you i i haven't personally watched it because it's a solid horror movie but i've seen like shots and the scenes and stuff and it's just kind of one of those things where you have to recognize it for the uh, skill that they implemented into crafting that one. But we're talking about Zombieland, which zombie comedy is its own subgenre. Absolutely. You have films like Warm Bodies, Life After Beth, and um, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores, the highest rated ones are things like Return of the Living Dead, which is way before the 2000 aughts with a 91, Shaun of the Dead with a 92, and right below in third place is this little thing we like to fucking call Zombieland. Zombieland. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely was terrified the first time I revisited this movie because there are so many movies from my childhood that have just not aged well. Yeah, this is one of those weird cases cases where it's totally a crapshoot whether or not it's going to hold up and I think we can safely say that this was a top to bottom enjoyable experience. Yeah it, it aged about as well as most of its cast did going into the movie that's coming out this October. Yeah double tap. We're sort of we're sort of lubing up for a theatrical experience that we'll probably talk about somewhere down the line. Uh, it, it, they're, they're making Zombieland 2 uh, double tap. The, tr the trailer came out suspiciously close close to the release date. And uh, the director, uh, Ruben Fleischer, he hasn't really made a, a movie this good since Zombieland. Right. I mean, we had 30 minutes or less, which I didn't look into, like, the critical score of any of his so other So 44 things. on Rotten Tomatoes. 44 on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't surprise me. We had a gangster lit a gangster Squad, which is the fucking worst name I could ever imagine, but the film, just the trailer that you showed me, looked gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would have liked it more if it was Gangsterland. <laughs> it's just Jesse Eisenberg walking around, and he's like, hey, did you know I made the Facebooks? <laughs> we gotta stop Mickey Cohen, you know? Make the Zuckerberg happen. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was, uh, Ruben Fleischer's productions after Zombieland uh, were sort of fraught with studio meddling and fuck-ups. 30 Minutes or Less was just organically a bad movie wholly in part due to the director and the writer. I think the writer's only other credit besides 30 Minutes or Less is the new Aquaman movie, which no one's praising for its writing. Right. And, and uh, 
<laughs> but, but there are uh, people praising it, but not for the writing. <laughs> yeah, it's either it's either thirty minutes or less or Gangster Squad, where the writer's only other credit is Aquaman. So Ruben Fleischer wasn't working with a whole, with a whole deck there. Uh, but with Gangster Squad, the Aurora shooting happened, and so they had to reshoot the ending of the movie, which ballooned its budget and uh, also you know kind of kind of fucked up the movie. Right. And then after Gangster Squad, he did Venom. Venom, Venom, Venom. Which which he wanted to make R-rated. He went on in interviews and was just like, yeah, it would be pretty fucking stupid to make a Venom movie uh, without, you know, him eating people's heads and drinking their brains. And then the studio was like, are you sure about that? So, you know, his movies since Zombieland have been sort of castrated to be these, like, PG-13 big studio things, save 30 minutes or less, which was just, like, this weird, mean-spirited adaptation of a real death that happened in 2003. That for some reason, you know, the writers of the film deny, fuck it, we don't even have to get into that. Yeah, but but, wait, 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 are are we, was Gangster Squad PG-13? No, Gangster Squad, I believe, was R, but they had to reshoot it after the Aurora shooting, because the original finale was, um, I think the Gangster Squatters shooting up a movie theater from behind the screen yeah. and so this guy walks into a fucking uh, movie theater in Aurora, Colorado and just like fucking blows Op- the place apart. Opens fire on screenings of The Dark Knight Rises because that was like 20, 2011. And somewhere in America, Ruben Fleischer just shit all of his pants and the production, you know, kind of fell apart. All 12 pairs of them. And so then, you know, we're back 10 years later with him doing a Zombieland sequel with the original two writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Vernick. Yeah. And uh, it's it's sort of been a bumpy ride between this movie from 2009 and its 10-year anniversary edition featuring all the original cast, the, the original player models, and upgraded Abigail Breslin. <laughs> yeah, Abigail Breslin has aged 10 years. Uh, she turned 13 during the production of Zombieland, apparently, as I learned yesterday night. <laughs> Abigail Breslin is the only thing that's aged about the Zombieland property. <laughs> right, and I'm wondering if they'll take that time jump into account. I feel like they have to because because even though we joke that these actors are kind of evergreen, there's still elements of them aging. Emma Stone is obviously a decade older. Jesse Eisenberg can't make jokes about Facebook in the new movie like he did in the old one without us feeling weird. That was like the greatest unintentional stealth pun. There is a part in Zombieland where Jesse Eisenberg is like, and you know what's the best part about all this? No more Facebook updates. (laughs) Jesse Eisenberg. And it came out two years before he, uh, what, two years or a year before he was Zuckerberg? I think the social network was 2010. Okay, so it was a year. So it was it was interesting to watch after the fact, right? There was uh, there there are co- some cultural references in Zombieland that you know they're they're not completely lost on us because we were high schoolers in the in the aughts, right? Children, teenagers in the aughts, yes, for sure. Uh, Zombieland is just as a it, it wears the fact that all of its humor is kind of low hanging fruit on its sleeve and manages to make that worth watching, which is wild. I absolutely loved some of the physical gags. Like, like it's, it's a very fun road trip movie. Mm-hmm. More so than it's a horror movie or a comedy. It falls into being a road trip movie. I feel like the thing that would confuse the audiences the most going forward, like if we show this to somebody in like 10 years, mm-hmm. is just uh, maybe if we, you know, the scene where he freaks out over Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill How Murray. do you feel like that's gonna age? <laughs> I mean, Bill Murray is still kind of, lo- I think Bill Murray was in on decline back then and that was kind of the gag, is that 
that it was just some actor who hadn't done anything of note in recent years. And so it was just kind of riding high off of his old, old stuff. And Ghostbusters is probably going to be a timeless classic from time immemorial. Is there still the same love for Bill Murray that's, that was, that used to be around in 2009? Cause I remember when this came out, the people I saw the movie with worshiped Bill Murray and like bought merch with Bill Murray on it. And we're suddenly <laughs> watching Wes Anderson movies for the first time because Bill Murray was in them. I don't know. My thing with Bill Murray is that it's just like, it's looking at him. Yeah. He made a bunch of like really relevant movies in the seventies, eighties and just kind of lived off of that. He'll make an appearance every now and then, but it's usually either a minor role or in a film that's not too great. And I think that I don't sleep on Lost in Translation. Sofia Coppola is staring at you angrily from the benches. Oh, yes. I'm sure she listens to us here. Yep, yep. When she's taking when she's taking time, not being Hollywood royalty, gradually constructing her perfect masterpiece that is the bling ring too. <laughs> so it, it it does it does bear just a just a, a quick note in the original screenplay uh, when they were first adapting this into a feature after you know transforming it from being a TV pilot, they wanted Patrick Swayze, and in two thousand nine when they reached out to the Swayze, he uh, was a uh, battling pancreatic cancer and was too. <laughs> to be in anything <laughs> so that that that's that's pretty fucking unfortunate that they couldn't get Dalton from Roadhouse yeah they kind of doused all those dreams in fire and then they went down a list of at most 10 different actors before like you stated originally and I, I was concerned when you said this because I'm like is it really settling for Bill Murray but they settled for Bill Murray like Mark Hamill was in consideration for the role Sylvester Stallone Joe Pesci Dwayne Johnson Kevin Bacon John Claude Van Damme and McConaughey. Oh, oh, McConaughey would have been really funny after True Detective. <laughs> Matthew fucking McConaughey. Marty, why are you wearing that fucking hat? <laughs> Regardless, um, the, the cast it, ended up being A1 fucking solid. Phenomenal. It's really funny because Woody Harrelson was the one they fought the most for. And then the rest were kind of like, maybe we'll get Dreamcast. And they also stumbled across. Like, Jesse Eisenberg, I think, was one of the first to read for the Columbus role. And then, even though they tested other actors against Woody Harrelson, who, at that point, they managed to commit to the project after Woody's lengthy demands of what would need to happen for him to be on the set. The two the two secret demands that, according to uh, fucking the director, were, were very reasonable. And then the two demands I think he talked about uh, in an interview were just like, he wanted an environmentally friendly set so i assume just like green porta potties i don't know i don't something know. like that uh he got permission to design all of tallahassee's wardrobe which turned out really well and made sure that the wardrobe was like sustainably sustainably sourced so it's not like a real snakeskin jacket it's uh it's faux and then his hat was like specifically made of recycled tarps do you call that fake skin jacket yes that's exactly what you call it he also <laughs> can because apparently something that neither of us knew until we looked this up woody harrelson is hardline vegan and uh, very environmentally uh, conscious. Do you think that it would be awkward if his, I don't know if his dad's still in the picture, but imagine your father is a hitman and your son turns out vegan. Yeah, my dad didn't have any respect for human life, so now I don't even need anything with a face. Jesus. <laughs> he made he made uh, one of his. It sounds kind of like a, like a weird bet that you'd make with your friends, but he made Ruben Fleischer not eat dairy for a week. Yes, that was one of his demands, or and he wouldn't do the role. 
And against all odds, Ruben Fleischer then stuck to a roughly vegetarian diet for 11 months, 10 or 11, somewhere in there. It's, it, it's just really funny that uh, Woody Harrelson, it sounds like he was he was making just like a really funny practical joke, but I mean, that was his demands for being on the movie and he fucking knocked it out of the park. I think he had the most laughs from you and I. If, if you look into the interview where Fleischer revealed that uh, Harrelson made him, go, you know, not eat dairy for a week, he reveals why that was so tough for him. It was right around Memorial Day weekend. Like, the week overlapped into Memorial Day weekend. So there was, like, this funny side episode of Ruben Fleischer around a bunch of barbecues unable to eat cheese. <laughs> hey, Ruben, I got a burger for you. Ah, oh, fuck, man. Can you make me another? What, Ruben? You don't eat cheese no more? It's Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> You'd just, understand. He just, like, looks off into the distance, and there's Woody Harrelson with binoculars and a lever-action <laughs> rifle and a sling on his hip. <laughs> Yeah, Harrelson was the, was the uh, highlight of this movie. Everybody else did great, and it's just a matter of who did the greatest. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. I mean, and it's really funny because it breaks a lot of conventions that I know as film people we kind of hold dear, where there's not an overarching plot across the movie. And a part of this is a result of the narrative view of being stuck in Columbus's view. And another part of it is being adapted from what was supposed to be a TV pilot, elements of that are still held over, and what feels like is they pulled the plot from two different episodes that they had, like, in the wings, and then just pushed them together into the film in a way that still works. So Columbus is our central character, and the movie starts with him wanting to get to Columbus, Ohio. That's the whole gag of these characters. The big part of Zombieland's world is they all just refer to the towns that they're from. And Columbus's is to get back home. He wants to go back to Columbus, Ohio, and see his family and make sure they're okay. It's like the uh, inciting incident is when he meets Woody Harrelson. Yeah. They, I, I they eventually like... team up with these two girls who keep punking them and taking all their shit. Wichita and Little Rock, and what was what is some really good physical comedy that could have been exacerbated to absurdist levels, but that's just our, that's me speaking personally. Right, Regardless, right. They don't, they, they keep pointing guns at each other, and there's a point where eventually they take the guns back and decide to coexist, but they don't keep switching the guns back and forth, I think was your note from the movie yesterday. They don't keep switching the guns back and forth, and at every uh, vocal slight, they don't stop the car and point the guns at each other again, <laughs> which is something that I would have fucking loved, because I, I like absurdist comedy that just keeps repeating over and over. They're, they're not a Mexican standoff generator. But no, so uh, there's a point where Wichita, Emma Stone's character, just declares that, oh yeah, Columbus, Ohio burned to the ground and we just kind of see all of the light die in Jesse Eisenberg's eyes and Woody Harrelson just like, you shouldn't have done that. You don't need to hear things like that. You just a boy. And there's a little text in the corner that says Jesse Eisenberg will remember this. <laughs> It's 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 at a really weird point in the screenplay when they say Columbus, Ohio is just fucking gone. It is like at the break into two. It's it's very early on in the movie that just the protagonist, uh, whose point of view you know is is what the movie follows. Mm -hmm. Just everything, every, like his whole plot line's destroyed. Right, and then kind of like the midpoint of the movie is he has the opportunity to jump ship and just go his own way, which could have been the ending of the TV pilot, but instead he just closes the door and they keep on driving towards California, Los Angeles. One way that I, one metric that I now use since we're like, fully entrenched in everything Zombieland, from all the production details made public, mm -hmm. onward into everything that's been made before Double Tap, I now have this, like, 
invincible infallible tool of of gauging why i praise the actors in this movie so much and it's called the 2013 amazon Zombieland pilot oh no we're already talking about this we don't have to go in depth but i wanted to parallel our conversation about the movie because the people need to understand how good Zombieland is and one of those ways to gauge that metric is just to go well it could have been this it could have been this oh god so literally an hour ago we finished the Amazon ordered spec pilot for what Zombieland as a TV series could have been. And, and the, the writing is, mu is much worse, significantly worse. They're, they're just like really ridiculous, shitty things that happened in the TV pilot that just are missing from the Zombieland. Like Zombieland, the movie has actual charm, whereas the TV pilot feels like it was written by a couple of uncles while they're like getting mean drunk on beer. Yeah, it's, it's by people who are way too entrenched in an urban environment, whereas the original Zombieland, there's something really beautiful that I pointed out about it, that it feels kind of centered in Western Americana, but in a modern sense, where when they're out on the road, most of the scenery is single small buildings, small towns, and there's multiple shots that are just kind of like the flat plains and forests of the American Midwest to West and just singular roads winding through the countryside. There's something very Western Americana modern day about it, even though it's post-apocalypse dressed. In fact, I think we joked that one of the sets that they did, they just went onto the set of The Walking Dead season two after they finished filming. Don't slight the production designer like that. I think this predated The Walking Dead. Well, they, they did the thing where they line up a bunch of like fucking crashed out cars on a very long road. Yes, and it looked exactly Exactly like the one in The Walking Dead, which I mean, it, they were both shot in Georgia, so it's reasonable to assume that they could have shared assets, but Zombieland, probably not. Zombieland the movie is expansive. It looks expansive and lovely. Zombieland the show looks claustrophobic and, and shitty. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, Tallahassee in the movie is charming and actually looks like... He actually looks like a dimwit. Mm -hmm. but, like, he looks like an especially dimwitted country bumfuck person. Somehow Woody Harrelson, despite being like this really well-educated vegan person, can pull off rednecks so fucking well. Well, he's got the goofiest goddamn face, which is the fun part <laughs> of the bait and switch. He's a smart guy and a great actor, mm -hmm. and he looks like a dumb asshole if you put him in that hat. Oh my god. It's it's perfect casting. And that's that was a serious problem with the Amazon show, is none of the actors really carried the charisma that the cast of Zombieland did. For, for instance, uh, Wichita and Columbus. Uh, in the movie, they look like they're almost the same age. Right. And then... It, <laughs> <laughs> in the show it looks it looks like um some strange like incest porn thing where they've got like the stepmother bang son and the stepmother's a normal looking woman in her 30s and the son is some porn actor in his mid-20s who looks like a twink or something like he's just this like real young looking piece of garbage and wichita just looks like this woman who like graduated high school when he was entering elementary school and, and then like the second scene of the tv pilot he's like that's Wichita. I, I love her. And I'm just like, kid, please. <laughs> yeah, there there were multiple elements that it was clear they were banking off because it's like the Zombieland graphics package was the same, although the text was not 3D, it was 2D in the show. No, it, it was 3D. Just, what, what, you, what you got wrong there is the lighting was garbage. They used, like, flat lighting, which is the weirdest look. Like, if you noticed on the uh, the beveled edges of the letters, it was basically the same brightness as the front faces, Let's which be... makes no fucking sense. I uh, did not notice because 
was we watched that garbage in 480p because it didn't deserve to be watched in HD, and also they tried to purge it from the content stream. It's no longer on Amazon Prime. We watched this rip of it with hard-coded Spanish subs. <laughs> However, uh, the issue is that they were trying to kind of bank off of, oh, people have watched Zombieland, so let's kind of continue the story where it ended, where that, they're all a family now. That was the most fucking insulting part of it. Mm -hmm. There's this opening scene where they have this irritating conversation in, in this office, and it's just written like absolute fucking garbage. Like one of those newspaper comics from the from the Sunday paper, where it's like, millennials are on their cell phones too much. Like that, that caliber of fucking writing. It's just fucking people being like really, really into health food for some reason. Somebody unironically says, hashtag first world problems. So that this guy rolls in to these two office people who are having the shittiest conversation, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I brought you pickles on your two Fish. You put pickles on a tuna sandwich? What the fuck? And, and this zombie bursts in and, you know, the scene stops and has the uh, narrator just like Zombieland does. And it's like, take a quick guess. Who survives? And naturally, the two shitty people having the worst conversation ever get fucking bit and eaten. And then, you know, the food cart guy suddenly starts beating wholesale ass. <laughs> he literally lifts up the entire food cart and jams it down on a zombie. And, and then the narrator's like, maybe you would have guessed who it was if you knew where this scene takes place. A little state called Florida and a town called Tallahassee. Yeah! And, and I was just sitting there and I was like, shouldn't this stand on its own a little bit? Yeah, also the light died in my eyes when I realized that this kind of like pudgy looking motherfucker who look, not only <laughs> looks nothing like Woody Harrelson, no offense to, because like I'm pudgy, we're pudgy, but... I wouldn't cast somebody with that kind of body type in the action role that is Tallahassee. Tallahassee has a weird form of, like, cowboy stoicism about him. This guy just comes off as a jackass. He, he's, he's, a, he's a big chunk of whale meat that somebody slammed on a table and God gave a face. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, not, he's not an unattractive guy, but he just looks like a dude that you would cast as an extra in, like, a scene at a tailgate party where somebody really wants to pretend they're still in state college. Right. Like, he, he looks like a sports dad and and meanwhile he's supposed to play our like lovable cowboy bumpkin and he's fucking terrible at it but that that really just gives you an appreciation for one the fact a-list actors are where they're at right it makes you understand like not every child actor is abigail breslin even if they can deliver lines there's something fucking special when you pay to get the breslin and the harrelson and the stone and the eisenberg yeah because they they sort of are like these weird like imagine a walmart imitation brand of a cereal and then imagine finding another box in your friend's house that's somehow shittier than that 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 is downgrading all the way down to the zombie land pilot it's not just knock off jesse eisenberg because i could find a guy probably in the state of missouri who looks enough and talks enough like jesse eisenberg no no, they found a guy who has the the essence of Jesse Eisenberg distilled down to like 25% Eisenberg. Although he does have more inflection than Eisenberg, I don't think that's necessarily in the favor of the tone set it, forth. It makes you appreciate this thing that Jesse Eisenberg did really well in the uh, 2000s. So there was this uh, appropriation of nerd culture that happened, and, pe and people still talk about this. Big Bang Theory. Where, where yeah, the Big Bang Theorying of everything, where people were just like, oh yeah, we got sex 
sexy nerds now because it's cool to be a nerd because, you know, the tech sector became the only profitable sector in, like, American industry. Basically, <laughs> just, indus like, industrial jobs just got fucking sucked out of here and shipped off to China, India, and Mexico. And they're like, well, since I guess that everyone's a computer programmer now, like, everybody who's happy is a fucking some something to do with a computer now. I guess nerd culture's in. Uh, I think that's, like, the macroeconomic reason this cultural shift happened. For some reason, you know, nerd culture just, just banged us in the face. And Jesse Eisenberg had this really interesting spot in that where he was this total fucking dork geek shit you believe it when he says in the opening scene he has ibs right. even though they do not show him shitting once in the whole movie uh because he just he just looks like somebody who has ibs and that's like a weird characteristic stereotype but he also has this thing where you find it charming you find him like handsome and admirable and you want him to like he, like when he makes an incremental step towards like what what like, like killing one zombie near at the end uh it was a zombie clown which is somehow his worst fear because on top of like this movie existing on B-grade level. Of course, our main character's worst fear is not zombies. It is clowns. So, so his big hero moment is that he kills one clown, or one zombie clown. And let's be real, this zombie clown is the only credited zombie in the entire cast list. Which, which, when you... <laughs> they, they the, the credits to this movie are so funny. There's only, like, six people. <laughs> there are six people credited. The main four, uh, the obvious cameo, spoiler, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. and Amber Heard. And, <laughs> no, Amber Heard was not credited. Four Amber was... Heard was fucking credited okay. as 406 in the credits. Then I remember! <laughs> then there's seven people. It was, a uh, clown zombie was the seventh for some <laughs> reason. It, it, it's, like it's a really really small arc compared to Tallahassee who just like, like he gets this glorious scene in the finale where he's surrounded by enough zombies to make you think this is the ship going down in Titanic moment and instead he just kills all of them yeah it's really goofy too because it's, he he's straight up it, it is like a western and it reads like this is his end he sets up his four remaining magazines plus the two in his dual wielding pistols that are in the chamber locks the gate of this play booth and then just waits as these running zombies just surround him. Total carnage! And and it's just fucking, it's beautiful, but if you think about it, Jesse Eisenberg being the main is ridiculous. Imagine if Tallahassee was the main. If Tallahassee was the main, I feel like the movie would actually be significantly darker because Tallahassee's whole thing is that he's using the zombies as an excuse to just not face what happened in the past. Absolutely, because... Well, let's not, just in case. That, yeah. is, that is one thing that's beautiful not to spoil. I forgot there's anything to spoil in Zombieland, because you can be like, oh yeah, they all survive, but there's still something you don't want to spoil in Zombieland. Yeah, there's a couple things, but that that one's something that we highly recommend the movie at the bottom line. That's why we're covering it. We generally cover things that we like and want to share our thoughts on. For those of you who have seen the movie, it still holds up. For those mm. of you who haven't seen the movie, boy oh fuck are you in for it. Right, there's excessive slow motion and uh, that in its own way is somehow really funny. They shot this on a fucking Panavision Genesis and there's this funny story I want to tell you real quick. So Emma Stone's getting interviewed for Zombieland and there are some fucking interviewer was just like, so you shot this on the Panavision Genesis digital 35 millimeter camera. That's fucking neat. And Emma Stone was like, yeah, embarrassing thing about that. So I've been on like five films now and on each of them people are just like, oh yeah, you're a film actress. You're on film. And then some Somebody finally
finally occurs. Somebody finally pulls me aside and tells me, no, you've never been on film <laughs> because it's a digital. It's been a digital camera every single time. Emma Stone, like she had worked on Panavision Genesis films almost exclusively. And she had like this sad moment doing an interview where she's like, yep, never been on film. Technically, I've never been preserved in a uh, master reel that is not destroyed for the safety of the production. <laughs> it's 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 got a really nice like late 2000s digital look where it's contrasty as shit. They go into this like really nuts ass slow motion and they, they really relish in it. They have like particle bits that come out organically. Like there's a scene where they destroy a fucking, I don't know, Native it's American the, themed gift shop. Yeah. Uh, can you, <laughs> what is it? Kimosabi, I think it's called. It's yeah. really stupid. <laughs> but, but they're like breaking shit and there's just like little beads flying everywhere in slow motion stuff where you know that the DP who was, I, I think his last name is, I shit you not, Bond villain. <laughs> I forget his first name, but his, his last name is Bond villain. Yeah. He's the guy who shot Cloverfield. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he was just grinning like a fucking idiot when he shot those slow-mo scenes because he was just like, this is gonna look real fucking good in 4K. And the production designer there who did a phenomenal job, should we add? Like, uh, we... He's on the DVD special features and he's the one guy where I was just like, yeah, that guy gets to gloat. Yeah, we were. it was pretty, it was pretty nice seeing him just kind of like talk about setting up the uh, highway and stuff. But you know he looked at all of this and is like, they better not fuck up any of the takes destroying this because I'm not resetting. <laughs> <laughs> that would give a filmmaker anxiety watching the Kimosabe scene because that's got to be more than a few days of, of just like setup. Oh, and the grocery. Fortunately, they don't destroy the grocery store, but, but they, they, they made a grocery store from scratch. And then they, they showed a lot of the key tricks that they did, like filling all of the uh, frozen lockers with just paper printed of goods. <laughs> it was it was it was very surreal. It's it's like a Twilight Zone episode. Imagine just going into a grocery store and you open up a freezer and it's just a printout of all the, the shit pretty, on the shelf. Isn't that a gag in fucking the interview? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, James Franco goes into one of those like North Korean towns they take the tourists through and he's like, it's all fake. Fake cockroach. <laughs> oh, we both watched the interview, didn't we? I loved the interview because I just pretend the first third of it didn't happen. <laughs> really, the only thing I enjoyed was the Eminem cameo. What? Okay, Eminem being gay was a pretty pretty funny way to begin your movie. That's like the only thing I outright enjoyed in the whole movie. We're way off course right now. Who cares? We're talking about Kim Jong-un, motherfucker. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to round this conversation all the way back to something I was talking about, where Zombieland really kind of meanders with its plot, and it devotes all the time that it spends kind of plotless, where we know that Wichita and Little Rock have the goal of going to Pacific Playland. That's introduced pretty quickly around the same time that Columbus, Ohio's hopes are dashed of going back to Columbus, Ohio. And, and it's, it's a pretty like, dumb dream and becomes the plot line of the movie on accident. Right. And it feels like two TV episodes kind of mashed together, but in a way that's functional because the whole time we're kind of settled in Columbus realizing that he didn't have a family when the apocalypse started because the city's gone and gaining his own family. And I'm a sucker for narratives like that. It's why I think Guardians of the Galaxy, both one and two, are very strong movies. 
and Zombieland operates on those exact same principles. Four characters who really don't have anything to relate to find each other because the circumstances give them reason to care. A lot like Guardians, the characters will try to kill each other. You know you've got a solid screenplay when there's a point where your audience is convinced these two clashing parties might actually hurt each other. There's a point where Abigail Breslin is like pointing Woody Harrelson's lever action rifle at Woody Harrelson and like, do you know how to use that? She fires and they're like, oh my gee, Jesus wearing pants, don't kill me with my own gun! <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Woody Harrelson improvised a lot of things, like when they peel the cold, dead hands off of the Hummer steering wheel. <laughs> and, and he, like, does the It Chapter 1 thing where he waves at Jesse Eisenberg. He or, no, he, flips, he yeah. flips the middle finger up. That was an improvised thing. And there was another <laughs> one because apparently Woody Harrelson and Abigail Breslin just were having fun on this set. Uh, Abigail, first of all, loved being a part of this. She, she wanted to be a zombie, which she, we found out in the interviews. She, re she begged them to change the ending, apparently, because she was 13 and she doesn't know she doesn't really get stories or anything but she was like can I be a zombie so I can have the makeup <laughs> and uh, they were like no Abigail Breslin you cannot but there was a point where uh, Abigail Breslin is sitting in the front seat of this Hummer where, while Woody Harrelson is driving and straight up describing the plot of Hannah Montana and the whole time Woody Harrelson is just like yes but is she really famous no she's only famous when she's wearing the wig that was entirely just Abigail Breslin was just like let's throw this in and they, they somehow <laughs> got the license for the song popular from Wicked which was a huge hit only three years prior. Yeah. Which I know because I'm an embarrassing little bitch. <laughs> It's it's cool to know trivia. We're all we're all cool here. I, I was I was a musical theater kid once upon a time. They don't like me anymore because I started sleeping with people. But ain't that theater? <laughs> Jesus. High school. Oh man. I'm glad that they didn't turn Little Miss Sunshine into a ghoul. <laughs> and that's something that's kind of interesting. I I was reading a lot of trivia about this, and Ruben talked about the zombies in this movie. They don't operate under your standard zombie rules. There's some inconsistencies. Jesse Eisenberg still refers to them as undead. But just based on the discussions that Ruben had, all of the zombies are still alive, which is why headshots aren't actually a thing. And it's a lot like Left 4 Dead, where it's just a virus that infects people, except there's no immunity to it. You, you get sick if you get bit. But if you can avoid sources of, of the uh, disease, then you're fine. And so... So they're just uh, they're just running around capping all of these really really hungry people that are that have been driven insane. Did you know one of the uh, the makeup guys who did the zombies worked on the Michael Jackson thriller video? Yeah, was he the lead or? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was the lead guy. Yeah, that's crazy. What I what I liked one of the special features on the DVD that was fun as a filmmaker to watch was uh, or just hear them talk up mm -hmm. was the incremental times that would and levels of detail it would take. They had three levels. Levels of detail for, yes. the, for the zombies. There was zombies that would appear in close-ups, which was a lot of prosthetics, a lot of makeup, and sixty then, like, minutes time minimum sixty. I think that they had upwards of two hours for four oh six zombie. Yeah, and they fucked up Amber Heard in this movie. And then there was the base level, which is like stuff leading the front of crowds and medium shots. Uh, those would take about 30 minutes. 30 minutes, and then there was the, the 15 minute zombies who just had shit dripping off of them. Yeah, they basically just like took some spray paint and put some red on them, and like, you're good. They're, these zombies are kind of gross, too. It's something that I wasn't really prepared for, and it was acceptable to a degree where I wasn't like grossed out watching it, but they're like spewing blood and puke. 
from their mouths whenever they're in the close-up shots. That's just like one of the things that they do. And it's really it's really cool to see somebody who's like dedicated to making zombies look really really gross. That's that's one of my favorite things about Zombieland was that it was a hard R rating, mm-hmm. and that's why I have a lot of faith in Zombieland too. Because everyone Reddit threads, friends of mine, fucking people who talk about movies always bring up the fact that Ruben Fleischer hasn't made a movie with a fucking ninety percent or co- something comparable on Rotten Tomatoes. Just like a good movie since Zombieland. Land, mm-hmm. his directorial debut of all fucking things right and i think it's because if you read up on that shit it's always because well save 30 minutes or less which is just a bad fucking idea because who puts aziz ansari in a fucking movie no one no, no one with no one with ideas anyway what kind of man talks to the aziz ansari no man <laughs> no man at all <laughs> and just besides 30 minutes or less uh, gangster squad and venom are these two movies where the studio got fucked like like some they got really fucked up late stage in development. Venom got turned from an R rating into a PG-13, and, and it, Gangster Squad had to get completely fucking, have its ending reshot. It was shot R. Venom was shot R. Right, and, and releasing Venom PG-13 is fucking ludicrous. It's like releasing Jaws with a PG rating. Right. Oh, wait. Nuts! Okay, no. something that works. Uh, something that works. It's like Red really- Dawn 2, the remake of Red Dawn. It's like releasing Robocop with a PG-13 rating. Fuck! It's like releasing Total Recall with a PG-13 rating. Shit! Uh, I don't think I'm going to make this work, Jackson. All I know is that uh, I'm really excited for Zombieland 2 because they're definitely expanding the cast. They're kind of playing on what types of people survived the apocalypse. And it seems to be a recurring gag where it's either people who are really fucking stupid or exact copies of the characters that exist. <laughs> they did the uh, Eric Andre show sort of doppelganger thing. Right. Uh, at the end of the trailer, they've got <laughs> Luke Wilson and um, Thomas Middleditch come in as oh, uh, fucking Woody Harrelson and just the Eisenberg stand-ins and that's pretty great because I'm wondering if they're hiding an Emma Stone stand-in from us and if so I wonder if she's single uh yeah no I I think that it's gonna be really good Rosario Dawson's in this movie and she is like one of my top fives just a favorite person I love seeing in movies Hmm. but I think that we know what the true version of Zombieland will be and it's when the writers get a chance to reshoot the pilot, but for the cast, they include Michael Sarah as Columbus, uh, Michael Rooker as Tallahassee. Oh, uh, it burns! Lupita Nyong'o as Wichita. Why? And uh, the girl who plays Shuri in Black Panther as Little Rock. <laughs> that is the ideal cast for Zombieland the, she- Zombieland the series. Well, I think Lupita Nyong'o is actually zombied out because she's got that movie Little Monsters coming out soon, where she plays like a preschool daycare teacher lady and uh, they're just like on a field trip and then zombies happen and and she's trying to keep all the kids from freaking out so she's lying about the fact zombies are happening. She's like, oh, it's a game while she's simultaneously having to like fucking murder zombies. Wait, is that actually a movie coming out? Yeah, that's actually a movie coming out. Ooh, I'm interested. Is it played for horror or played for laughs? Both. Okay. So we get another one of these, which is like kind of to end this, we're seeing a slight resurgence like the dead don't die came out and while it was marketed like the trailer came out on april fools everyone thought that movie was gonna be a fucking prank oh my god you've told me about this and it's a movie that i really want to see now because it just looks so fucking stupid and knows exactly what it is it is a real ass bloody zombie comedy right and it does have that jim jaramouche thing where it's basically mumblecore zombie land zombies it's it's hipster zombie land what's your adam driver impression for that movie you know zombies the undead 
ghouls. <laughs> it's it's I, I remember sitting in there watching the dead don't die thinking this was going to be a prank because again to reiterate the trailer came out on April fucking fool's day <laughs> and it looks real low budget and I watch it and I'm like holy shit I love this I love zombie comedies like I love major release zombie comedies because you know what happened we had a real ass cooldown. Yeah. We had an authentic, bona fide fucking cooldown between the last wave of zombie comedies and this new one that's happening. Bring on little monsters. Bring on Zombieland 2. Fuck it. I'm ready, okay? Give me that post-apocalypse world where I follow around a bunch of people who somehow look like they showered. Give me that R-rated gore. Throw in some weird subplot about someone just needing to find a Twinkie. I don't give a fuck. I'm ready for this to come back. I am too. I, I have adored zombies since I was kind of like a kid, and so Zombieland 2 seems like the perfect opportunity to just bring that back, and I know I'm looking forward to this movie. So we have something to be excited about, talk to you about in October. For right now, we can at least rest on the fact that this classic zombie comedy aged like fine fucking wine. And only one other comedy has done better than it on Rotten Tomatoes as far as zombie comedies go. What the fuck could you be possibly talking about? I'm talking about our next podcast. Oh my god! Where we cover the Cornetto Trilogy. Dun, dun, dun.